With improving your experience, I build trust with you. And when I build trust with you, your outcomes will improve. Yeah. Right. And so I think having consumer demand around, I need a better experience and I need to feel seen. And I want my care customized for who I am. Welcome to Conversations in Care, a special series of the next big thing in health where we come together to have honest and heartfelt conversations about the defining issues in healthcare. I'm your host, Robert Trainum, Executive Vice President here at AHIP. If you'd like to watch the video episode of our discussion, head to YouTube and search for AHIP coverage or check the show notes for links. Come on in. I'm here with Dr. Pooja Mathal, who serves as Chief Health Equity Officer at HealthNet and is also a part of HealthNet's Digital Health Transformation Committee, which ensures that the technology used by the company for Medicaid members is equitable. Our discussion would not only bring light to the disparities of healthcare, but also present solutions for realistic lasting change to improve the equitability of our systems of care. Thank you. It's good to see you. Really appreciate you having, uh, having uh, some time to spend with me. I would love to open this up, Pooja, with... with um, a really interesting question in my mind, and that is, what are some of your vices? What is the one thing that, quite frankly, behind closed doors, the cameras are not rolling, that's uniquely you? Um, yeah, you know, one of my one of the things that I love to do when I'm away or have some downtime is read fiction. Okay. And I read a lot of fiction, and I think I do think it informs my work actually. How because so? Well, when you're in a character's mind, you really do get to experience what they're going through. And I read a, a lot of really diverse fiction, and I pick fiction on purpose that has some applicability to health equity um, often. And so I feel like I get to understand people's experience through reading about uh, reading fiction around around you know different experiences, whether it be um, uh, whether it be something around. Uh, a mother who's, you know, going through something and she's and she's living in a rural part of the country or or anything else. Is there any particular uh, book and or genre of fiction that you would recommend? A book. Um, I love the book Homegoing. So I don't know if anybody's read that, but it's an amazing um, story of two sisters in Africa and one becomes a slaver and one becomes enslaved and it follows their families all the way down to present day. Really? It's, and it's incredible. And it, and it really does give you a sense of the black experience all the way from Africa through modern day America. I have to take a look at that. Yeah. The one thing uh, about fiction and biographies for me is that you can get lost in someone else's story. And figuratively, you can walk their shoes um, in many ways. And look, in many ways, if it's really, really well written, you're so immersive into it. It's almost like you and the character become, I don't know if you become friends, but you you get to know them and their idiosyncrasies. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Is that, do you and feel you the same thing? you get to be inside their heads and, yeah. and, and feel what they feel. You feel their pain yeah. um, and their highs and lows in yes, many ways. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for sharing. I wanna talk for a few moments about um, healthcare and loneliness. Mm -hmm. um, and where I'm going with this is someone's journey where they are experiencing pain uh, whether it be mental or physical or both. And they're searching for answers. They're searching for some type of solution. But for whatever reason, it could be physical loneliness, it could be emotional loneliness, they're doing this journey alone. Mm -hmm. And I want to walk through why that has to be, because it, in many ways, Pooja, for me, that's actually kind of cruel. But it happens. Let's just be honest. It happens um, probably more than we probably know. Yeah. Explain. 
Yeah, I mean, loneliness is such an epidemic today. Um, as you know, the Surgeon General just released a report about, about how pervasive it is. And um, I think that we have to think about it differently for different people, right? The, there's a, um, a huge spike in loneliness from ages 18 to 24. And I think a lot of that has to do with transitions in life and also um, a lot of social media use. And so disconnecting from people in person and, and just focusing on social media use. And then for our older adults, right, we're not living in communities anymore often. And so there's not a lot of social connection naturally, I think, that that a lot of people have. And um, I, I heard about, as we were thinking about loneliness and we've been thinking about it broadly, I heard about this community in Texas. And I don't know if you heard this story, but um, there was a podcast about it um, called Century Lives. And this community in Texas is one of the poorest communities um, in the country, has very little medical care, pretty poor diet, quite rural. And yet they have the ninth highest life expectancy in the United States. Mm. And when they dug into why that was, it was because of the community. There's a lot of social connection within that community. And a lot of families live together in multi-generational families, and they stay together over years. And the grandparents support by taking care of the kids. And so, you know, thinking about loneliness as such a pervasive issue in our society, I, I do think that a lot of a lot of the solutions lie around simple things like creating community and connection. How do we get there? How do we build community? To your earlier point, technology is a part of our lives, love it or, or hate it. You could make the argument that for some people, technology is community in terms mm -hmm. of them connecting in a way that, that they're comfortable with. But to your point, it also is a disconnection there, figuratively speaking. How do we get to a path where families are more communal? How do we get to, and that could be your chosen family, right? In many ways it could right. be. exactly. It could be, look, this is my chosen family because this is my new community. That's How do we get there? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I, you know, I think part of what I think about in terms of technology, because technology is so pervasive, is how can we use it as a, as a conduit to that, right? How can we use it as a connector? And so um, a couple of the things that we've been really interested in are these applications that are naturally fitting into people's lives that build community, right? So there are some apps that really focus on um, creating meetups for seniors, that, that sort of sit outside of the religious institution space because of course religion is a great community builder, but for some people who are not interested in that, right, we need to find ways to build community outside of that. And so I think there's a way for us to use technology as a connector to bring people together in person. Um, and that's, I think that's one thing to think about. I think the other thing really with especially um, younger folks is to find ways to pull them out of the technology and create more in-person connection. Yeah. And, um, and that, that's hard to do. Um, but often I think about um, a, an easier place to do that is sports or activities outside of school and finding ways to make those attractive to kids. Mm -hmm. We're seeing this growing trend of chief equity health officers around the country, at the hospital space and the healthcare space and so forth. Um, one, is this a good thing? And two, what role do you see um, they play in helping build a community. Yeah, um, you know, I do think it's a really good thing. I think it means that we're putting a lot of emphasis on health equity, and we're also making sure that um, it's a leadership position 
that is focused on health equity. That being said, I think it's really important to, to keep in mind that we need to resource the chief health equity officers, right? They have to have funding and they have to have leadership support and buy-in, executive sponsorship essentially. And without those things, they're not gonna be successful because as one person, as a leader in the organization, they can't drive organizational change without support. And um, when it comes to support, is there anything else besides um, the funding and obviously the, the chief executive um, sponsoring this, this person in position, anything else we can be doing from a consumer standpoint to help make this position even more equitable? Should we come more informed? Um, do we need to show up a certain way? Anything? I mean, you know, I think the medical space is and, and healthcare in general is quite behind in terms of res responding to consumer um, questions, needs, et cetera, right? I mean, there are so many organizations that do it better than healthcare. And so I think the more that consumers demand that from us um, and focus on their experience and wanting a better experience, uh, the more important it makes my role because I really think in the end I can focus on improving outcomes and outcomes are important, but that's a longer term goal, I think. I think in the meantime, the thing that I can focus on improving is con consumer experience. And with, with improving your experience, I build trust with you. And when I build trust with you, your outcomes will improve. Yeah. Right. And so I think having consumer demand around I need a better experience and I need to feel seen and I want my care customized for who I am. I'm a big believer in really building relationships. Um, I'm of the philosophy that trash in, trash out or good things in, good things out. In other words, it takes some work. Mm -hmm. It takes some work in building that relationship and establishing trust in maintaining trust. Look, in my mind, it's almost like a marriage. And that, that that's some work. I mean, I look at my parents' relationship or whatever relationship. It's it's a lot of give and take. It's a lot of communication. It's a lot of trust. Right. Um, so I, I want to focus on that for a few moments because I believe that could maybe help with loneliness, but also it could also help with the chief equity, health equity officer position as well. The building of relationships. Yeah. Yeah, I, um, I think that's right. I mean, part of what I've had to do in my role, and I think um, all chief health equity officers do to some extent is uh, focus on building relationships internally and getting trust internally because um, naturally this role requires a lot of difficult conversation and um, I have to come come into a room being prepared to be being open and listening and also finding ways to connect internally with other folks within, within my organization so that we all feel a connected sense of purpose. And I think that gets back to loneliness too. Yeah. How in an organization are you feeling like you're part of the greater good and you're part of the greater mission? Um, and then from an external perspective, um, that relationship building that we do with the community, I think also fills some of those gaps in terms of loneliness, right? Because the more that we can um, create an ecosystem of care that supports people in the community where they're at, the better that we can support people's needs around everything with their health, including loneliness. Totally. Do you believe we have made progress in building bridges of opportunity in the healthcare system? And the second part of my question is, is do you believe uh, that the equity um, that these positions, these newly created positions are having, um, how can we help them? How can we support them? What does that look like in terms of building those bridges? So I think we're recognizing the need to build trust within communities. And I think we're also recognizing some of the historical harms that the healthcare system is built upon. 
Um, and we're starting to build those relationships and really recognize the expertise that lives in the community. So I think there's a lot of work to be done still in terms of relationship building and connecting with the community. But I think as plans, we're finally being very clear on the need to do that. So there's an intent. Can you give any examples? Yeah. So um, in 2019 at HealthNet, we launched a community doula program. And this program was actually the first of its kind in Medicaid to provide free doula services to, um, to black birthing women in Los Angeles County. And um, we established a relationship with a community-based organization called Frontline Doulas. And uh, we thought we were entering that into that relationship in a very intentional way where we were supporting um, their autonomy as an organization that had the expertise and the lived expertise to do the work. And what we realized was that, um, that they were still viewing us with a big power differential. And they were really viewing us as funders and not as partners. I see. And that really resulted in um, some difficulty in the relationship because they didn't come to us when there were issues in terms like of executing. Yeah, almost like an imbalance in the relationship. Imbalance, definitely. And and again, despite our intentional going in trying to create a balance in that relationship, there was still a huge power differential. And that was something that in my first um, foray into working in community work, I didn't realize that even with the intention to create a balanced relationship, that because we're such a large organization and are the funder, that that, that, that power differential is still going to exist. Mm -hmm. And so I learned a lot about how to come in and intentionally build relationship in a way that slowly seeds power over time, right? So that it becomes clear that that balance is shifting yeah. instead of expecting that it should shift right away. That's right. In many ways, it's like this, and it slowly should be like this. Right. Slowly, over right. time. Yeah. And I believe that's through trust. Right. Exactly. And, you know, it was a worthwhile investment in that work because we continue to be solid partners, foundational partners to this day. Um, the state just launched a community doula benefit. They are one of our key partners for that. We've done other work with them where we've supported um, their work in, in ways that are outside of our core work together. And so it's been a worthwhile investment and it's been a wonderful relationship. What's the next chapter for equity at HealthNet? Yeah, there's so much. Um, one of the things that we're working on building, um, and, and we've been doing health equity work at HealthNet for a long, long time. We were the first plan to have um, the health equity accreditation in all three lines of business since 2011. So health equity is part of our DNA in terms of how we do work. What we're doing right now is we're shifting to um, being a lot more place-based in, in terms of our work. So uh, let me explain a little bit better. As we think about systemic and structural inequities, we know that they occur in a certain region, in a, in a certain geography, I right? See. And each geography has its unique intersectionality, mm -hmm. right? Whether mm -hmm. it's rural or urban, um, what are the main types of people that live there from a race ethnicity perspective, um, from a disability perspective, from a veteran perspective. And um, we know that each community has its own strengths and its own challenges. And so we've been laying out a, a foundational set of health equity improvement zones, which are place-based uh, delineations that allow us to really customize the work yeah. 
um, in each geography so and partner unique, locally. Right. So it's unique to the to the area. It's to not area. one size fits all. Exactly, because each area has different strengths and, and challenges. Right. right, right. And I could make the argument that each neighborhood and or place has their own unique influencers, ecosystem, whatever you want to call that, Absolutely. that reinforces this relationship that you're trying to build. Right. Yeah. And, and this and um, the structural inequities mm -hmm. are are unique Deep. to each place, yeah. right? Like when we look at in California in the Central Valley, it is the agricultural region of the country and has the highest food insecurity of of any place. I never would have thought that. And you would never have thought that. But when we look at that and when we think about farm workers and how to support farm workers who are food insecure, that approach is very different than the rural north yeah. where um, where it is a really different population, and yeah. we have to think about that differently. Interesting. I never thought about it that way, which would be completely different, I'm making this up, than San Francisco or whatever the case may be. Right. Yeah. Interesting. Right. Uh, last question for you, Pooja, and that is the next big thing in health from your perspective. Yeah. You know, I think the next thing that we are really f have to focus on as a, as a community is tequity. So I've never heard this terminology before. <laughs> Say it again. Techwitty. Okay. So uh, technology and equity, and and ah. it's and it's a really broad term. And so maybe I, I break it down a little bit in, in terms of. So we're thinking about uh, AI, right, and algorithmic bias, and so that's one way of thinking about equity and technology and and the things that we have to consider. We're thinking about. Um, technology and applications, right? And how are they built from an equity perspective? Like, are they really built in a way where they're designed for the user? Are we building tech in a way that fits into people's lives or are we expecting people to come to us for the technology they wanna use? And then of course, broadband access, mm -hmm. right? I mean, there are, there's clear evidence that in communities that are underserved, broadband access is more expensive than in, than in richer communities, yeah. right? So even thinking about broadband access and, and equitable access is really important. So all of the things sort of encompassing technology and equity, that's sort of the next next horizon that we have to consider. No one will believe me who's watching this, that I, but I just wrote that. <laughs> I, just wrote, I, I probably didn't spell it correctly. Tech yeah, but uh, that is, I've never heard of that before. Did you make that up? In other words, no? No, no you know, um, it's it's being um, talked about more broadly, I think, overall in, okay. in healthcare. But, um, the Health Foundation is working on a whole set of definitions around equity and and different case studies around it. So that's a place to go for some more information. Wow. Yeah. Can you do me a favor? Yeah. Can you make a promise that we'll come back on and talk about this yeah, um, in greater great. detail at a later date? Because I, I actually find this really interesting. Yeah, that sounds great. And I'm happy to share some information. With Please you. do. Thank you very much. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you.